Welcome to episode 90 of On The Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On The Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now here's your host, Robbie Samuels. Do you own your own business? Are you a speaker and or a coach and or a consultant or all three? Maybe you've written a book or you intend to write a book because, you know, you either are or want to be a recognized expert or you blog regularly. And in fact, you're thinking about hosting your own podcast because you really want to build your brand. If you're like my clients, you have so many options and you're just not sure where to focus your limited time, attention and energy. But what you do know is that you want more and you want it now. See, that's the kind of clients I tend to work with. I work with a lot of entrepreneurial women who are in their late 40s to early 60s. They don't have a ton of time. They definitely don't have time to waste. They are so motivated, uh, so excited about the work they're doing, but they're a little uncertain about how to take the expertise they've built up over 20 plus years in a different kind of business as they sort of shift into the work of being a speaker, a coach, a consultant, an author, a podcast host, et cetera. And so what I try to share with them is the idea that actually building these relationships is a big key because a lot of people are ignoring their network and their network are the people who want to buy from them, who want to give referrals, who want to offer them really valuable business uh, advice. So I recently hosted another masterclass. This one is called Get More. And more stands for money, opportunity, referrals, and engagement. And I shared some of the best practices that I give to my clients so they have the mindset to offer value, build relationships, and manage their energy. So that's a different kind of more. Mindset, offer, relationships, and energy management. So you can check out the replay so you too can get more by accessing all of my free masterclasses. They're all available at Robbie samuels.com forward slash masterclass. You'll also see the ones I did about, you know, should I host a podcast? Should I write a book? My book launch strategies. And now this one called Get More Money, Opportunity, Referrals, and Engagement. You'll find that at robbysamuels.com forward slash masterclass. And if you want more, you can also check out the More Program for Entrepreneurial Women. See, I meet bi-weekly online with four women who want that money opportunities, referrals, and engagement. It's a mix of mastermind hot seats and content-rich masterclass sessions scheduled over a 90-day period. The next one is getting started about a month from now. So if you think that this might be a program for you, you should definitely check out all the details at robbysamuels.com forward slash more dash program. That's robbysamuels.com forward slash more dash program. I would love to chat with you to see if it would be a good fit. It's a very highly curated program because there are only four seats. Now, on to this week's show. Today's guest leads executive networking and executive talent initiatives at Insight Venture Partners. Insight is a leading global venture capital and private equity firm investing in high growth technology and software companies that are driving transformative change in their industries. Founded in 1995, Insight has raised more than $18 billion and invested in over 300 companies worldwide. Prior to joining Insight, she was a principal at True Search, 
an international executive search firm where she led and drove executive searches across scaling venture and private equity-backed technology companies. I was eager to interview her after reading her blog post, Networking is a Craft, Not a Chore, written in response to a New York Times article by Adam Grant, which he argues that networking is overrated. I'll include a link to both articles in the show notes. Please join me in welcoming Helen Hua. Hi, Robbie. Hi, Helen. Thank you so much for joining me in your office in New York. I am really excited to have you on here because I think you were going to bring a really interesting perspective. Um, but before we dive into the whole piece about networking, I want to, you know, this is a show about leadership and networking. So I want to ask you, how do you define leadership and when did you realize you had the skills to lead? So leadership is one of those concepts that you hear about from a little kid. And Robbie, I, I know you have kids, so you're probably trying to teach them that, right? I, I think you're always hearing, oh, be a leader and, and do this. And, and I think there's a lot of complexity around what that means. But for me, I always felt like leadership was about doing something that felt brave, something that is scary to do. And, and that can mean a million different things. Uh, but, you know, I think for me, um, coming into the technology industry, that was that was scary for me because I, I was going to be a lawyer for most of my life. That was my plan for about 12, 13 years. And even out of college, I worked in um, a kind of legal capacity. And to go into technology without really understanding how it worked and who the players were, that that was scary, but it was also extremely exciting. And it's an industry that's that's growing and increasingly touching on many people's lives in many different industries. So I think that, you know, going into that and, and feeling that bravery in myself to do something that is a little scary, I think just setting that kind of example, I mean, that to me is, is what leadership is about. Certainly it manifests in a bunch of different ways, but I think that's how I think about the core of, of what that means. You know, it's really, it's great that you're acknowledging this because I do think that um, women in technology and people of color in technology are two sort of demographics that probably aren't well represented or represented as they would be sort of in the rest of the country uh, in those industries. And so it, it is a sort of a bravery and a, uh, showing leadership because I'm sure there are people that are in college now and, and even younger who are going to look at people like you and say, wow, okay, that's, a, that's an opportunity for me. I, I could do that. And I think it's, it's, it's necessary. I mean, it's like you're never the first anymore, thankfully, but it's still effort. And it's still showing up and it's still being in a room full of people that, you know, maybe you're not, do we have shared experiences? Do we have shared values? Like, I don't know, but you have a passion. You're bringing yourself to this space. That, that is bravery. And that, that does seem like a really good core piece of leadership. Were you, as a younger person, even in grade school and high school, college, were you the kind who stepped up into opportunities or sort of held back and watched the room? Were people saying, oh, you should really do this, Helen. Like, this would be a great opportunity for you. How did you approach leadership even at that younger age? It's confusing because you are hearing, oh, you should step up. But then you're a a kid who is scared and you have classmates and you have doubts about yourself. So there's always that conflict. Uh, I think, though, that there were certain opportunities for me and I, um, I would often see gaps. So I had to switch high schools uh, when I was 15. It's very traumatizing for a 15-year-old. Yeah. I moved from Florida to, to Kentucky. So I joined as a sophomore 
didn't know anybody. It was, it was pretty terrifying as a 15 year old. But one of the things that I had really wanted to do in my prior school was be part of the music honor society. I had done music pretty seriously most of my childhood. And I think around my junior year, I said, you know what, I'm just going to start it because this high school doesn't have it. So it was always just around seeing, wow, there's value in having an organization like this. And I'm not seeing that where I am. So why don't I just kind of get that going, see if we can get some people to help out because I certainly can't do it all by myself. So that's, I think, usually when I've seen these different opportunities is when there's when there's a gap. Mm-hmm. I, I know that someone has to step in and, and sometimes I, I, I end up doing it. You know, it's the, the idea that you also sort of um, brought an idea, you imported an idea in from another school, right? You, you knew such a thing could exist and that it was lacking, whereas the students who'd lived there their whole life didn't even know that was a thing, right? And you also, I can imagine you were trying to find your people, right? And one way to find your people is to say, hey, let's all get together and do this thing. And did that actually help? Did you find your people because of that? I definitely think I I built friends. I mean, life evolves in so many surprising ways. And I've lived in a lot of places. So I think I found great people along the way. And I think I've definitely made some friends in, in that process. But you know, that always is changing, especially when you go from high school into your 20s. I mean, that that continues to, I think, evolve uh, as you kind of grow and, and move into different capacities. Yeah, but you, but you, I, I really want to call out the fact that that is such a leadership component that you saw a gap and took action, right? Because that in itself, people could say, I really wish a thing like this existed and then not take action. Right. And then they just kind of complain about it, <laughs> which isn't really usually helpful and doesn't make them good friends. So, so kudos, right? Like at, you obviously learned a lot along the way and that sort of got you to where you are today. What do you find most rewarding about the work you're doing today? We get to work with some of the most amazing and brave entrepreneurs. And I am so inspired by the entrepreneurs and executives that we get to, to work with. And it is, I think in many ways, it's a privilege to get to work with people who are seeing gaps in the industry, who are seeing needs, who are seeing ways that they can optimize systems that are already in place and putting a lot of themselves and time with their family on the line to make this idea a reality. And that is what is so incredible about working in an investment platform like Insight. We do growth investing. That means companies that are already in an upward trajectory and and we want to help, again, um, infuse more of that growth with them, with certain experts on our team. I'm the talent expert, so I get to get brought in when they're thinking about building their team and how to structure their team, how to get the best people. And so when you're in that room speaking to a founder, they have a million things on their mind, but to be able to help them think about how to bring the best people onto their team in the moment that they need them. That is is so exciting because that's in context of the rest of their business. That's in context of the industry, but it's also, it's also very personal. I mean, these are people who are going to be with them. I don't know how many hours a week, but a lot of hours. And it's really part of their journey and part of their story. And to get to be a part of that is um, just, it's so exciting. And uh, I, I don't think I ever knew about this industry when I was a kid, but it's just, it's such a joy to be able to do that. Yeah, to have an impact when people need it, right? And, and to offer them the kind of assistance they don't even know to ask for. 
um, and to bring them the team that they need to really grow. I mean, that t- like the talent piece is so important. And obviously, you have a knack for people. That's That's got to be a big, big skill here. What was challenging, though, in making this shift? You were saying earlier that moving into the technology space was sort of new for you. What were some of the challenges you faced as you made that shift? Sure. So like any industry, you've got to get started. And getting started is very hard because no one knows who you are and don't have a reputation. Maybe you have skill sets that don't line up nicely to what is familiar with that industry. So, you know, for for me, I took every meeting that I could take. And I really took that as an opportunity to learn as much as I possibly could about what I wanted, but often what I didn't want. In, in my career. And so I encourage people, especially if they're thinking about switching their industry or just starting off, that they explore and that they take meetings, that they stay open-minded about what might be out there, and that they also recognize that people will help you in the most surprising, incredible ways. People might disappoint you too along the way, but um, those doors will never get open unless you at least stand outside the door and, and knock likely on it. So it's really important to to be open-minded and have a learning mindset because that's what's going to help you navigate and and figure out where you want to focus your energy and and where you want to build your career. I love this idea of a learning mindset because you're right, like that applies across industries, across you know wherever you are in your career trajectory. Like the idea that you already know everything is that, you know, one, not true, and it's not going to help you. <laughs> um, and I guess I related to that is like that you already know everybody you need to know. That's also not true and not going to help you. So this idea of how it's sort of an openness that you approach this, um, a willingness to learn, put yourself out there too. Like the fact that you're out there knocking on the door means that you're out there. If you stay in your office all day, um, just doing the work, that's not going to help you either. So there's, there's a certain balance that's needed. I, I'm curious, like, how do you think about that? I mean, the work-life balance is sort of a misnomer. So like, like, is it um, like an integration? Like, like I'll, I'll ask you a different question. I imagine you take work with you everywhere you go. You're always thinking, right, about people and connections. When do you know you're not? Or are you always, but you find like that it works well for you? It's harder because I, uh, I work out of New York, but I actually live in Silicon Valley. <laughs> so Silicon <laughs> Valley is, is tech. And, you know, I could just have a a kind of casual day, walk into a coffee shop and I, I run into people that I know. So that that happens pretty regularly when you're in a place like Silicon Valley where everyone was in tech and it's a small, it's a small ecosystem. But you know, I think I'm lucky and that I really love what I do and I, I love my industry. And so it doesn't necessarily feel like work. Uh, in that way. Um, but you're right. I mean, it is, it's hard. And I think things are, are blended now when it comes to, to work. And when you're really passionate about uh, anything, uh, of course, it's going to be something that you're going to be thinking about. But it's, um, you know, it's, I, I just feel lucky that I really like what I do. And I think not everyone has that opportunity. And I encourage anyone who isn't necessarily happy with what they're doing to, again, you know, knock on some doors, have some of those conversations and really figure out the things that they're really good at and figure out the things that they love to do and figure out a way to to get paid for it. (laughs) You know, find a place where they can have that opportunity to continue to grow those skills, utilize the ones that they have and also build a career out of it. And there's so many different careers that you can build. And that's what's incredible about the internet now is that people can really customize things and, it's um it's tremendous, right? You see people who are, are doing these jobs, and then all of a sudden you go on um 
you know, LinkedIn and you see they have a side business that's totally different from what yeah. they're doing in their day job. And with the internet and I think with a lot of flexibility now and how we think about work, people are, are able to do that. And it's, um, it's incredible to see. And I, I hope to see more of that because I think we're going to get better output from people when they're doing the things. Mm. That they do. That's so true. I think people are, or uh, some people have settled, but I think uh, there was a shakeup about 10 years ago with the economy crashing that, made sort of people make hard choices and that I think inspired like a whole new wave. So it's kind of interesting to realize we're a decade into this, this particular wave of entrepreneurship. And I'm sorry, some of the people that you're working with, you know, their ideas may be in, incubated in that time period. And now they've scaled to the point of needing your assistance for continued growth. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, this, <laughs> I once had a guest say, you know, world-class musicians are never asked, gee, do you feel like you're doing your job too many hours a week because they love what they do and they're really good at it and they don't think of like practicing and performing as work. And I think when you really have a passion for what you do and it's a real fit um, for your personality and your skills, you're right. Like it doesn't, sure. it probably the burnout rate will be much lower if we all did that. Um, it's great. Great that well, and I think, I, I think that, you know, we all have our days too. So I think sometimes when you have a day where you're like, gosh, it really feels like work. It doesn't mean you should leave and abandon everything you've done. It just means that you had a rough day. And I, I think for a lot of professionals, they're going to have those days. But then you ask on the flip side of that, are you having days where you're really excited and that you're getting energy out of what you're doing? And if you can find a, a good balance there, then it's probably still a good good place for you to be. But, um, you know, whenever, if, if anyone's ever been in a situation where they just feel depleted every day or almost every day, then that is potentially an indicator that they need to find a place that is a little bit more invigorating, something that's going to give them more energy than, than take it away. That's really solid advice. You know, uh, we were talking earlier about sort of connecting and building uh, your community and your network. And it's clear that you've, you've moved industries, you've moved cities and states, you've moved around a bit in your lifetime. Um, you've probably met a lot of really great people too. Like you're willing to put yourself out there. How are you not just making those connections happen and building your network, but actually sort of purposely, I guess, sustaining those connections? Like, are you, do you have any practices or habits or, you know, like how are you doing that? Are you doing that? Is it sort of happenstance that you see someone in the coffee shop? Like, how do you approach the idea of nurturing your connections? Right. So, I think something that has become clear to me, and, and one of my mentors told me this, is that your network will age with you, your network will develop, it will evolve. And that's probably something I didn't fully understand when I was younger. And I think that that is something that's missed when people hear the word network. They think just get a bunch of business cards and have some quick coffee meetings. But it's really about that long-term relationship that could be years and years in the making and it can surprise you in in so many different ways and you can you know run into people in all kinds of different capacities that you wouldn't expect that then continues to build on those relationships so actually for me I think a lot of it is is patience in knowing yeah sure maybe we grabbed a coffee and there's opportunities or something that we spoke about and I said gosh I read this article it made me think about something that we spoke about certainly you know occasionally that happens but um, you know, with networking, I don't think anyone wants to feel like they're networking with you. They never want to feel like there's a transaction. And, and you know, sometimes you, you do need some assistance and um, you have to be careful about when you ask for those things. But it's about trying to be thoughtful 
around those relationships. It's trying to think about how you can offer genuine value without looking like you're trying too hard. It, it really is finding that balance and having patience, I think, because in a lot of maybe your work or even an industry, you move really quickly, but relationships can't move too quickly, right? There's there's something about really thinking, nurturing. I think gardening is a good example. You water a little and then you step away and you kind of let it do its thing, right? And then you can come back and um, do other ways to sort of adjust your relationships based on how the plan is doing. But uh, you can't go all at once and it's going to be less meaningful if you try to go in that direction. Yeah, this this patience piece is really key. Um and not going too fast. Uh, Dory Clark is is who I look at as a mentor, a friend tour. She's she, I've known her like a decade, and she um, has a sort of philosophy that she doesn't ask anyone for a favor until she's known them for a year. And um, she's the kind of person who gets asked a lot for favors from people that she barely knows. And she once asked me like, "How do I handle when people say, hey, you know, how can I help you?'" knowing that she doesn't need anything. And then the next response she's supposed to then give is like, but how can I help you? And she's like, I just feel like I'm being sort of suckered in, you know, my word suckered into like, you know, offering some assistance. And I said, oh, you should just like use this at a moment to like explain your philosophy. Oh, I really appreciate you offering, but I don't really ask people for favorites until I've gotten to know them for about a year, which is a nice stopgap to whatever might come next. Um, Because you're right, it's like about developing a connection but I also, the other thing made me think of her is that you said something about having a mentor and she's really big on this idea of like building your like, sort of personal board of directors. Not everyone says, like everyone I think needs a mentor, but not everyone feels like they have access to one uh, formally or even informally. Like how did that happen for you? Was it someone you sought out or was assigned to you? Like how do you stay in touch and nurture those kinds of connections? Yeah. So um, if you go on the Insight website, uh, there's actually a blog post that I did about mentorship and sponsors and a board of directors, actually. And I kind of break break it down. And then the other section we added was trusted peers. So that's like the work best friend or, or someone that you're just really close to, uh, maybe in your industry, who's really going to get you and be an emotional support. So I actually think there's several different buckets of people. But um, mentorship is, is so interesting because everyone talks about it, but the actual practice of it can be very awkward and, and strange. And uh, I remember reading, you know, Lean In and Sheryl Sandberg talking about how women just walk into her office and ask, hey, will you be my mentor? And it's really awkward because there's no foundation in that relationship. And so what I think about when it comes to mentorship is that Again, you you can't expect everything. I think sometimes people think of a mentor as this sage that's just going to be there and give them constant great advice all the time that's going to somehow change their lives. And, And I think about it as having multiple people who are going to have impact in different parts of your life. And, and just like anything, some of them will be uh, someone that you can go to when you had a really rough day and they're going to cheer you up and lift you up. Some of them are going to be strategists that can help you navigate tactical things at work. Others will be really senior folks that maybe you only talk to twice a year, Mm -hmm. but they're going to give you incredible insight into what direction your industry is going in. And so you know, you think, I think it's about setting your expectations with those people in your life because you set yourself up for disappointment, but you can also set yourself up for a disappointing relationship that can then feel really awkward to the other person who's trying to help you. Um, but I think, you know, having a basis for that relationship is important and 
deserving it. I know that sounds a little odd, but you have to be someone worth mentoring, right? And I, I love working with young people, but I can't work with every young person who maybe wants to come at my door or send me a LinkedIn request, right? I, I have to, um, you know, figure out how to spend my time. And so it's, it's great to work with someone who is, is hardworking, who is ambitious, who takes that feedback. I mean, you have to think about that too. Are you going to be someone that people want to mentor? Are you someone that is going to grow in, in your mm-hmm. career? And how do you express those things? How do you express gratitude? Uh, it, it seems so silly, but just sending an email saying, thank you for the time, really appreciated it, even a thank you card, not everyone does it. So there's a lot mm-hmm. of different ways to slowly distinguish yourself and, and make yourself someone that people want to, to give that time to. So it, it's a complicated thing, but it's, it's so important to, to think about all those different elements because it, it builds and it can grow. And those people can just be there for you in those moments where you really need them. Yeah, I think the idea of per, the building of a personal board of directors is really a nice concept too, because you're not placing all the weight the the gravitas of having a mentor, you know, and like the pressure that that puts on that person to sort of, you know, hold you up all the time. But instead, like having people, like you said, there are people you might just check in with twice a year. There are people I see once a year at a conference. Like, I know that they're going to be there. I'm going to be there. So we're going to get coffee and it's, it's casual. And there are people that I 15 years ago thought of as if, you know, if I had a concept of this as my mentors that I'm now mentoring because of where I've ended up in my career. And so we support each other. And it's nice that we've reached a point where it is sort of, um, it's a two-way street. But I think another piece that you were describing sort of this idea of being um, ready for this, I guess is another way of looking at it, is being coachable. Like if you're not coachable, you've got to work on that. And that's about taking feedback and having gratitude and knowing yourself and knowing what you need because, you know, going into these meetings, I'm the same person who, like, people come knocking on my door asking for help. And I'm like, if you can come with a really specific question that you've thought through and you've got three possible solutions, I'm going to have a much better, like, answer for you than just, like, a, what is the meaning of life kind of question. Um, I don't have, I don't know if I have that answer for you. So um, what, what led to you finding the person that you're identifying as your mentor? Were you aware of all of this before that or... Has this come to you more in hindsight? So I would say I have several people that I, I go to for, for different things. And, um, you know, in this case, it was someone that I had worked with. And, um, you know, they're just others that I've met in the industry as well. And as, as a woman in, in tech, I have made intentional effort to certainly have diverse mentors, but but focus on having some female mentors as well that have achieved and have worked through all kinds of dynamic environments because that has been very valuable for me. And, and you know, sure. I think that there's, there's a push for that in the industry, but I, there's a level of creativity that people should have about this as well. Maybe it's a friend's parent. Uh, maybe it's someone that you interviewed with that you got along with well and you never got an offer, but you had a really good experience with that person. You had a, a really um, good interaction with them. And you could see if maybe you can grab coffee with them a few months later. I think it's about being open-minded and realizing sometimes you connect with people in, in really surprising ways. And even if they're very far off from what you think you want to do or from the industry you think you're in or want to be in, they can provide so much value potentially. And you obviously won't know unless you kind of explore and, and have some of those conversations. 
Well, that actually brings me to the last point that I want to sort of cover, which is this idea of connecting people who are not in your industry, who maybe don't have your exact career path or the exact education and life experiences as you. Um, do you feel uh, there's value in that? It, you know, what is the value in that? If there is, um, how, like, how do you how do you think about approaching, you know, building a sort of a diverse uh, professional network and diverse in like a zillion ways diverse, whatever that might mean. But how do you think about it? So I think first I think of it as, as difficult, actually. It, it just, it just is. You get uh, put into your, your organizations and, and you're focused on uh, what's in front of you and, and building relationships with those around you. So that, that is tough. And I think it's, um, for me, I mean, I've, I've moved in other places, so I think that's actually been really helpful because I've been able to meet people in different industries and who live in, in different ways. But um, I, I think you just, you do what you can, right? You meet kind of friends of friends at parties and um, you just have conversations with them. And, and I think you make an effort too and say, like, wow, I just met this person and, you know, they come from this part of the world and they're in this industry and they're nothing about that's so interesting. Maybe I should make more of an effort to spend time speaking to them. And if there's a good connection, we can try to build a relationship outside of it. I think part of it is just being self-aware about who you're surrounding yourself with to make sure you don't have this groupthink cycle around you all the time and maybe making that extra effort to connect with those who are different. And, you know, maybe that's just something tech should do in, in general, right? As we want to diversify and bring different people with different perspectives, the first step is just knowing that it's hard and that you need to make an extra effort and just pay attention when you do get exposure to people who have a different mindset and come from a different perspective. Yeah, this idea of different worldviews and that uh, I guess the the being open to it and valuing the idea of different worldviews as opposed to rejecting people. And that also happens with hiring managers. You know, they tend to hire people who are like them, you right. know, so like even getting hiring managers to really think through the value of bringing on uh, people with different experiences. Your experience in high school, uh, this club that you brought, right? Like, again, like you had an experience in one school and brought it to another school. That's a good example of if you're in different industries, like there's value in sort of bridging that. Um, I actually know someone who places interim executive directors for nonprofits and purposely places them like outside their specialty area because they'll bring something as they move around um, from one industry to another. And it's like, it, that sounds so intentional. And for most people, they don't have a job that allows them to ha- be creatively doing that. Like you said, the hardest part is getting into your industry and meeting the people in your industry. And that's an uphill battle. There's a, there's a lot of work there. Um, so I, I've been having some fun interviewing people who, who have these creative dinner parties and, you know, masterminds and, you know, retreats and different kinds of online and offline spaces that allow people to sort of connect around values or interests as opposed to identity and like life experience. And um, that's going to be the focus of my next book is to help people think about that. Um, because I think you're right. It's hard. It's going to be one of the things I'm going to have to definitely address um, because you're right. It's, it, there's a certain intentionality uh, and self-awareness probably, but, right? And it sounds like you have come into tech with that already, um, and that, that might be being a woman of color, like in tech, that oh, you might already have had an appreciation for that um, as you're trying to connect with other people who have sort of shared your experience as well. So um, this is one of my favorite questions to end on, which is, if you know, we are reconnecting a year from now, and I hope that we are staying in touch. Um, 
you know, what, what are we going to be celebrating? What are the accomplishments that you've achieved over the next year? What are some of the goals you have? And, and what are we going to be celebrating together? That is a good question. I am, um, you know, I, I hope to be able to continue to, to do what we do. And at, at Insight, as I mentioned, we, we get to partner with some incredible entrepreneurs all over the world. And um, I, I love it. And speaking of things that give you energy, it's working with entrepreneurs. That's what gets me excited. And I go home and I go, ah, oh, it was so amazing, the things that they're trying to build. And I get to be a small part of that story. So I think it's continuing to, to build on those relationships, continuing to meet with the new companies that we're partnering with at Insight um, so that we can continue to, to help provide value for them and help them scale and, and help them grow. It's um, like I said, it's just such a treat to, to do it. And I think, you know, in my last role doing headhunting, we would get really deep into a process for three to six months with one of the companies that we were working with. And then we would step out. And what's great about Insight is that we have a family of companies that we are with for many years. And so it's about continuing to be part of that story and continuing to add people to that family as well as we go. So I hope it's continuing to, to do that going forward. That sounds really exciting. It sounds like you really, I mean, the way you like wake up as you talk about it, you know, like your body language, your energy, it's so clear you found a place that you should be and you're giving your talents to an organization that's appreciating them. Obviously, that's a big piece of it. And you're getting to meet some really, you know, energized and excited people as well. Entrepreneurs are some of the best people (laughs) to talk to. They are so full of like life when they're, um, especially if they're on a growth strategy. (laughs) That's always good. They are. And the thing is, and, and, you know, there's ups and downs, obviously, when you, you build a company. And what I've told some people that I, I've mentored actually is, you know, entrepreneurs are not necessarily normal people. They're not your average person. And you have to remember that, right? It's incredible what they're doing. And they're going to have bad days. And they're going to be really hard days that they have. And so when you're in a position of trying to, to help them think through those things, you just have to remember that. It's not the average person who decides to put so much on the line and start from scratch and do something that no one has ever done before. And so, um, you know, it's just really fun to be able to, to be a part of that and get to meet other entrepreneurs. Well, that's great. Helen, where can people find you and follow your work? Sure. So LinkedIn is probably the best way. I'm Helen Hwab. Feel free to follow me there. I'm on Twitter. Um, I should probably be a little bit more active there, but certainly that's another uh, piece, uh, another way that you can reach out. And then uh, Insight. So we have a blog. Uh, we have a website. Actually, if you go on the website, you can sign up for our newsletters where we provide a lot of content as well, which is all tech-focused, growth-focused. So that's another place. That they can that's great. Them. I'm going to have all those links in the show notes, including the link to the Twitter account for Insight. Um, this is fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Robbie. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Helen. Such a pleasure to speak with her and learn about her leadership journey. What is your key takeaway from our conversation? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Share what resonated with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 90, which is also where you'll find all the links from today's show. Don't forget to check out all of my free masterclasses if you've been considering hosting a podcast, writing a book, or want to know how to launch your book successfully. You'll find them all at robbysamuels.com forward slash masterclass, including the most recent one I did on getting more, more money, opportunities, referrals, and engagement. Do you want even more? 
Ah, a few times a year I run the More program for entrepreneurial women, right? I meet with these women bi-weekly, online. It's just four women at a time. And it's a mixture of master classes and hot seats in masterminds. Check out all the details and sign up for a chat with me at robbysamuels.com forward slash more dash program. If you enjoyed this episode with Helen, please share it with your friends and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's show. Are you a fan? That's awesome. I'd love to read your review on iTunes. It's easy to find our iTunes page at itunes.ontheschmooze.com. Thank you in advance and look forward to connecting again next week with interviewing another talent professional about their untold stories of leadership and networking. We'll explore their career challenges, work-life balance, and how they built a strong professional network on their way to becoming successful leaders. Until then, have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On the Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.